They say there is a catalyst at the heart of the cinema experience, a social contract, a binding dynamic power that lifts the cinematic experience into a realm of intimate connection between the audience and the screen and the stars in the heavens beyond. They say. But who are they? Some conceited, pretentious fuckwads who try to piss in your pocket and tell you it's raining. Well, fuck that shit. I got a movie coming out. Unhinged. I'm not fucking with you. It's called Unhinged. And it's going to be in cinemas. Off you go. I'm Corey Cole. I'm Freddie Wall. Yay. It's kickstart. <laughs> yeah. Kickstart, man. Dude, this is, uh, I feel like every time we get on a kickstart, it's the only time we, we, we actually mention a date. <laughs> every time I mention a date, it's like, fuck, are you kidding already? It is, it's August 17th. Yeah, man. What, 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 what's going on, man? It's just. What gives? I don't know. Well, here's, here's, a, here's a, all that matters. It's the 17th. And we're one week away from my very first pick for this week. And this is a movie that I saw get promoted heavily when I was at a weekend of horrors, a Fangoria weekend of horrors in LA, 89, 90, somewhere in there. Wow. Jesus. It's Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I'm super bummed. I'm very excited for the release. That's the most important part. But the thing that really bummed me is the art kind of gives me something about the movie. And it kind of bugs me that it does i don't know my guess is they're feeling that like yeah we've all seen it <laughs> I, I don't know man I guess i'm looking so. at it and i'm like oh, okay well i guess i could see why you would do that but uh okay but i mean i guess it's it's obviously it is the most iconic moment in the in the movie it is and i remember when this movie came out and, and it was being discussed at a weekend of horrors later in the weekend they were doing a gremlins 2 breakdown and it was rick baker and um joe dante and i can't remember there's one other person somebody stood up and showed off the tales from the dark side poster and if you recall the original one it was just like these eyes these very gremlins like eyes and that's all you saw and with the shape of the gargoyle that you see later on in the movie of uh, later on in tales from the dark side and somebody says hey what do you think mr dante what do you think mr baker and they're like uh, you know what? <laughs> what are you going to do? It's like, uh, there's plenty of things in Gremlins 2 that we borrow from other movies. And of course, at that point, the movie hadn't come out. And when it does come out, he's 100% right. It's chock full of pop culture references, unlike the first movie was. Well, it was a little bit, but not like this. This is more like a less tongue-in-cheek airplane uh, with some of the humor they were pulling off in, in the second Gremlins. But the thing I remember most about my time during the panel for the Tales from the Dark Side 
was how much it was talked up about. This is a return to anthology horror. And I thought, return to? Wait, <laughs> how much anthology horror are you talking about? I mean, other than Creep Show, right? What, really? What else was out there? Like Creep Show 2? <laughs> Cat's Eye? Cat's Eye? Was Cat's Eye at this point? I don't think it was. Yeah, man. Cat's Eye came out like 80? 85 or 86. Yeah. That actually that was good. Oh, Cat's I, like I was Cat's thinking Eye, of, man. I was thinking of the other one, not Cat's Eye. Oh, Two Evil Eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, it's, right. it's Romero and Argento. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds right. Yes, I remember the, I remember, I remember the cover now. Yeah. And the uh, Blue Underground did a release of it a while back. Right. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm going to have to pick this up. It's not too bad. <laughs> it only came out four years ago and it's still $25. But the 80s, the 80s was all about, the 80s had some good, uh, you know, some good anthology stuff. I mean, Cat's Eye, Nightmares was good. Yeah. Uh, the first first Creep Show. Second Creep Show's got moments. Well, I guess at the time I didn't, it struck me funny as the, them saying that, but I guess we didn't re- really revel in anthologies at that time. I guess there was, and as you're going to come to think of it, there were a lot. All right, so <laughs> a fucking idiot. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie is, I think all the segments are good. I do especially like the mummy one. I just thought the way they handled that was fun. Of course, that evil cat. If you haven't seen this, it's a fun one. I don't know if uh, if you don't have 20 plus, well, gosh, close to 30 years now, right? Is it 30 years old this year? Yeah, 1990. There you go. I should just start rounding things up. I'm like, wait, what year did this come out? 27 years? No, I guess I might just say it's 30. If you don't have 30 years of nostalgia living up to this, I don't know if you're going to really care about it as much as a, something to put on your shelf. But it's a fun movie, and the, if the effects are really well done. I mean, like, really well done. I can't recall who, got the, who they got the money from this. Who Do you remember who actually released this studio-wise? Kind of blanking on Wasn't it, uh, I feel like it was, was it Newman Line or was it Warner Brothers, maybe? Yeah, I don't recall. It's been a long time since I've played the movie and seen any kind of splash screens. It's Paramount. It is Paramount. Wow, I wouldn't have remembered yeah. that. Uh, you know what's funny, man, is I love the original one-sheet poster almost more than I like this new stuff. Which one? The one with the hole in the book? Yeah. That's what I mean. That's the one that somebody held up and said, because you look at the shape of it, you're like, it kind of it kind of does with, it does look like a gremlin with, with razor sharp teeth. 100%, dude. It looks like, it looks like Stripe going, yeah. you know, it does. <laughs> of course it does. So if you had if you had put this out, if you put that one sheet out without a credit block on it, you'd think and and you know that you're Gremlins gonna have three. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Anyways, Paramount put this one on. It's got Deborah Wing, Deborah Winger. I mean, there. I'm so one Deborah Winger to be in this movie. No, it's not her. <laughs> Deborah Harry, uh, Christian Slater, our man uh, David Johansson. Yeah, uh, William Hickey, who's fantastic in the cat segment. He's so good. James Remar and Ray Dong Chong are in the the opener that we talk about. It's kind of being spoiled on the cover. Because you don't spoil anything with the mummy on the front. Who cares? No. I mean, you get a lot of people in there. I mean, Christian Slater's in this thing. Yeah. Bashemi, Julianne Moore, I think, is in it somewhere. She's in the, the mummy segment. Yeah, the lot yes. 249. Actually, you know what, dude? I come to think of it. Lover's Vow is the last one. Yeah, it's the, it's the, yeah. It's, I kept, for it's some the reason, end. I kept thinking it was the leader, but maybe because I think that's the it's the most memorable of the group. No, no, it's, it actually is. Now that I think about it, it's really well balanced when you go in from the great intro with everyone. Uh, I think it's Matthew Lawrence, right? Yeah, Matthew. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then they do the lot two forty nine, which is the mummy one that's got Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, and then Christian Slater plays the brother, right? 
of, of Julianne Moore. Oh yeah, that's a good segment. That's a fun one too. Like, then they go from the they go from lot two four nine to Cat from Hell, <laughs> which was like I remember watching, going, "What the hell's going on?" And especially the shot where he walks in and finds the cat halfway down his sister's throat with its back end sticking out. Dude, it's so weird, man. And then Lover's Vow, like we talked about before. And it's based on a, an old Japanese folklore uh, story about, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin anything for you as far as the story. Because everything is just, it's such a sweet thing. And I'm so glad they didn't try to make, they, I had read at one point, they tried to take Lover's Vow and make it a full feature length movie because it was received so well by by the studio when they were watching it. Oh, don't worry, they will. Well, I'm sure they already did, like I said, because it is based on a Japanese folklore. I'm sure somebody else has done it. I'm sure there's probably a few Japanese movies that have uh, done a full feature based on the idea. But I think the way, the way it's done, this is really is executed really well, and it's wonderful. Even though it sounds like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I have seen this many, 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 many times, and it's, it's really good. It was, you know, for me, I saw it on, I didn't see it in the theater. It was, it was something I saw... I want to say I rented it, and then it, you know I saw it a bazillion times on cable. It was always on. I would always kind of it's funny because I would always seem to walk in at the same spot, um, you know, right before Lover's Vow would start. It's funny because I don't remember the last time I saw it all the way through, but it's a movie that was on all the time. It was just like a '90s cable staple. Me and my roommates would, you know, they would fucking be super stoned and we would end up watching and laughing our asses off because there's some, just some fucking ridiculously cool stuff in it. Yes. I'm amazed how some certain things about this movie that get overlooked. George Romero actually adapted the Cat from House uh, segment is based on a Stephen King short story. And George Romero is the one to the adaptation for the screen for it. And, and then Michael McDowell did the, did the first two, Lot 249 and Lover's Vow. I'm sorry, the, the, the book ended portions of it. I guess you get the great rapper in there, rappers with Deborah Harry, who's, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say it. I don't care because I've talked about how much I love her. I'm going to say it anyway. She plays a witch and she's playing a dinner party and uh, got Matthew Lawrence as her, uh, is the meal that she's going to be sharing with everybody that comes to the party. So and I, I just love the way that do the whole thing and the way that movie ends is perfect. It's a very, um, a creep show type of ending, but it's, it works. It doesn't feel forced. It does. It's, it's a nice buildup too, because the, to end the other longer form segments and then come back to those bumpers is great. And it's, I don't, it's, I mean, how often are we seeing that either? You usually get the bumpers on an anthology like that. It's always just, you know, like Tales from the Crypt where they make a joke coming out of the segment and then make a joke going to the next one as opposed to an actual storyline that takes place, which I think was really fun. That's right. I saw Tales from the Dark Side. It's out a week from tomorrow. Go pick it up. And it's a shout factory release. So it definitely has, it has a new commentary from the co-producer, David Kappas. And there is a whole bunch of extra stuff with K and B. Just doesn't say how long it is, but it's a feature-length documentary that's broken up into six parts. So there's something substantial on there, uh, even if you're even just a passing fan on it. So it is worthwhile. And then there's a, the previous released uh, uh, audio commentary with uh, director John Harrison and uh, George Romero. Which, but and then a bunch of other extra stuff on there: trailers, stills. Radio spots, all that fun stuff. It's fun because, you know, it's, it's well, there's just a certain nostalgia, you know, for yeah. people who are buying these. And that's, you know, give, give them everything that, they, you know, give them everything you should. Yeah, why not? Damn it. Anyway, there you go. Tales from the Dark Side. The first thing I want to talk about is uh, Arrow is doing, they're doing a limited edition 
of Graveyards of Honor. It will be released on the 7th of September. So, you know, it's a few weeks away. This reminds me a lot of when Criterion uh, released uh, their their, their Blu-ray of The Killers, the Ernest Hemingway uh, story that was adapted twice as a movie, once with Burt Lancaster and then once with Lee Marvin in 1964, directed by Don Siegel. This version of Graveyards of Honor has both versions of the uh, film on it. I'm going to butcher their names, I'm sure. But uh, (laughs) the first, you know, the first one is the 1975 version by Kinji Fukusaku. And the second was a 2002 remake by Takeshi Miike. Oh, yeah. Uh, His 2002 remake. You know, he's directed a bunch of really fun gangster Yakuza genre films. But they are putting these both out in a limited edition on the 7th of September. Man, September. It's it's hard to say that. I know. In in 12 days, we're going to be there. Fucking weird. That is the first thing I want to tell you. This this box set looks beautiful, man. I mean, this art, this key art is amazing. I mean, and then the extras, dude, it is, I mean, it is a ton of shit. It's a two-disc set. It's got two different versions of Graveyard of the first of the 75 film. And it's got the 2002 film, like I said. Packaging, man, this this artwork by uh, Ian McEwen. I mean, it's beautiful, man. It's very of the style. It's 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 somewhere between a graphic novel and a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it, man. And it looks like zombie fucking. It's great. You know, there's a little collector's booklet. You know, it's got little essays on both films by Jasper Sharp. There's the new scans. There's there's a new auto commentary by the author and critic Mark Schilling, uh, Like a Balloon, The Life of the Yakuza, visual essay by critic and Projection Booth podcast host Mike White. I mean, man, this thing is loaded. You know, and disc two with the uh, 2002 is, is just as loaded. I mean, this thing is packed with the thing that film nerds like myself uh, we uh, love. I mean, this is why I buy collector's editions is for this stuff. And this thing, man... I'm going to say it's probably got more stuff than anything I've seen in the last year. And and I'm very excited about it. I, I pre-ordered it against my better judgment, trying not to spend money, but I did. <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometime around the 7th, maybe I'll tell you what how great it is. But if you're a fan of the genre, you should definitely pick this up. This is these are two of the best examples of this genre that are out there, uh, and for Arrow to throw this together like this, and you know, I mean, this this thing is massive, and uh, I haven't been this excited for an Arrow release since I bought the box set of House and House Two: The Second Story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, would be really cool is if they take some of that uh, um, energy and like I don't know, and some of their funding and apply it to their website. Yeah, right. Perhaps, you know, update that uh, certificate yeah. of authenticity. Yeah. Yeah, their issues. website's hard to read sometimes. It is hard to, na- I mean, I don't, yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% right there. It's the Hulu of uh, websites. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, don't get me started on Hulu. I've almost given up. Back in the 80s and early 90s, Vestron Video was a staple when it came to the, walking to the video store in the VHS days and pulling something off the wall. But they've been doing, I have to say, fairly quiet because I had to, I wasn't really aware that their branding was on some of the titles that I'd seen in their cat the recent catalog on Blu-ray that they've started putting out. But I came across this one and I'm I don't know what it is I why I love this movie. Like, I don't want to say it's a bad movie. I just love it and it's schlocky as I'll get out. 
And it's Fred Savage and Howie Mandel in Little Monsters. Completely silly. No doubt this is where Monsters, Inc. got their idea. For their whole premise, <laughs> it comes from this movie. And basically what it is is uh, Howie Mandel plays a, a monster under the bed. But he's Howie Mandel version of a monster under the bed. Hardly scary. But he takes Fred Savage down into his monster world. I'm like, holy shit, that's Monsters, Inc. <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's literally, the difference is, though, of course, a Monsters, Inc., it's a monster in the closet as opposed to the one under the bed, but that's how this one works. Anyway, I love the shit out of this movie. This release has got some stuff that kind of surprised me. You got a little taste of the old and a little taste of the new, and the taste of the new is quite something else. So they got commentary in there, brand commentary from editor-in-chief at Cult of Monster. Um, it's uh, Garrett Gain. He does, he does a lot of these types of releases because he's definitely a solid historian on, on all this, uh, the type of nostalgia titles that we cover. Awesome. And, and, and very much like a Kino fashion, this has an isolated score, which I thought was kind of cool, and an, inter, an audio interview with composer David Newman, which I thought that's a rare thing. You don't get a lot of uh, interviews with with composers way after the fact like this um there's a new interview with howie mando uh, andrew licht who is the producer on this and so there's there's lots of really cool stuff some makeup effects uh interviews and there's a ton of old interviews back in 1990 when the movie was released what, 90 or 88 89 it's a weird because i never saw it until again it was on cable because it wasn't uh you know, it had Fred Savage in it, and I, I, I already hated The Princess Bride, so, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it, it, again, it looked too, like, it looked too much like a kid's movie for me when I was 18 or 19. It definitely is a kid's movie, don't get, don't get me wrong, and it came out when I was 20. I don't even ever remember anything about Howie Mandel other than the rubber glove over his head and yeah. the Bobby thing. Yeah. Um, I do, lo- I do have a f- weird fondness for Blake Edwards' A Fine Mess with uh, Howie Mandel with Ted Danson. That's another movie I love. There are some we- there are some things that kind of scar me, like the thing where they put the uh, the the thing that melts when they put up the horse's ass and they put it in Richard yeah. Mulligan's ass <laughs> when he goes running out. Why does that why does that make me laugh so hard when he goes? Uh, they speed up the <laughs> film to have him go running out. It's because it's Richard Mulligan, man, and he's oh my funny. Gosh, his uh, that thing he does. Oh yeah, that that the cry. Oh my gosh! Anytime that would pop up on soap, I would lose my shit. Richard Mulligan was the best. Yeah, he was great, man. He was a very funny motherfucker. Yeah, the little monsters. Anyway, it's Fred Savage and his little brother Ben Savage, and Daniel Stern plays their dad, which I thought was kind of cool. It's a movie did so poorly, and this is one of those movies that hit video so fast. And when I say video, I mean it hit HBO super fast. It came out in August of '89. It's not a big budget. It was only seven million bucks, but it made a whopping seven hundred and ninety-three thousand dollars. I mean, isn't that in '89? Isn't that like a week <laughs> on the on a bad week? It's a bad week. It opened and closed. Damn it! I, you didn't see that a lot in '89, where a movie opened and closed in a week. I feel like it was a movie that was made with like I don't know what the audience was for that movie. I think I think again, I'm gonna say. It happened because of cocaine, Corey. <laughs> Jeez. Well, a lot of things happen because of cocaine, right? Right. Yeah. Vibes being one. Um, this being one. You know, there are movies that were greenlit because people had piles of magical cocaine. And they're like, yeah, man, that sounds awesome. The old monster under the bed. Dude, let's do some more blow and see where this goes. You know, and there you have it. And, yeah. the, you know, so that's how you get things. You know, and it's they're, they're great. You know, I love vibes. Uh, I, I probably... 
I would probably watch this again just because it's these are there's a whole shitload of 80s movies that I kind of you know, eh, I didn't see her because I was at the end of the, you know, I was, at, I was at the far end of like seeing a movie with Fred Savage, right? I'm like 19 years old. Why would I care about the Wonder Years kid? <laughs> but now <laughs> watching it, it's fucking probably a fucking riot. Yeah. It's weird that it's, it's crazy that Vestron, Vestron's done some great stuff. Yeah. Um, and now that we're talking, I'm looking at that Warlock box. It does have all three movies on one disc. Yeah. So, I'm going to have to pick that up. Yeah. Because I, I I own a few of these, and they're they're really great transfers. The Waxwork one I mentioned earlier when we yeah. were talking. The Unholy, which is a movie I looked for forever since I had seen it on VHS, and it never, it was it was not on DVD. And suddenly there was Vestron to the rescue. Uh, they threw that thing. The first one I think I bought was The Gate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, The Gate. That's about right, because I think it's part of that series, yeah. If you've never seen Little Monsters, and this is different from the Little Monsters that's on Hulu, since <laughs> back to Hulu um, with the, the zombie movie, it's actually very, very funny. You can still you can see it on Tubi. I guarantee you, man. I guarantee you, but I'm, it's it's a very high probability that it's a proper aspect ratio. Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna click on it right now and tell you. And I'm looking. This looks like it's 185. Oh my gosh, dude! The picture looks so good on Tubi. Yes, for this movie. It's funny because it keeps coming up in my to be like in my recommendations, like when I get my little email. Yeah. May have to break down and buy that thing. It came out in 1989 again, but it is super 80s. When I say it's super 80s, it's super 80s. Even though it came out the tail end, it's super 80s, really. What's the the other movie with Fred Savage? Didn't he make another movie that's the one with the little brother? His his autistic brother, yeah. The Wizard. The Wizard, yeah. The little brother is super like, isn't Daniel Stern in that too? I think so. (laughs) Because that, I feel like The Wizard is running on Shout Shout TV all the time. Oh, Bo Bridges? Yes. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, Christian Slater was like, they're, they're, he's like they're two cool. years older. He was like their cool neighbor or something. <laughs> well, and he's got the same last name in the movie. Yeah, I've never seen The Wizard, honestly. And the movie is actually called The Wizard. I keep saying Wizards, but it's just The Wizard. Yeah, I thought I thought you said The Wizards. Anyway, yeah. And did Todd. I? Well, I, yeah, maybe I did, but like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they were both made in '89, right? Both those movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because The Wizard is is yeah, The Wizard. I I get them confused sometimes. Right, and it's uh, was directed by uh, Todd Holland, who of course founded Knockman in the Middle. Oh yeah, a little bit of uh, directed a few more than a few great uh, Larry Sanders shows. Breakable Kimmy Schmidt. He's a good. He's a good dude. I always like Todd Holland's work. Yeah, isn't Kristen Kristen Slater's the older brother? That's right. There's three brothers, right? The youngest one is the one with autism. The youngest one in curls, as they say. <laughs> curls. Anyway, so there, little monsters. And it's on Tubi. Watch that if you if you uh, yeah, that's a, that's probably a good place to go. Watch Tubi, and if you're into the movie enough, then maybe those maybe those extras will interest you enough to pick up the movie. But dude, it's twelve ninety nine. Really? Yes. Wow. Twelve ninety nine. I'm like, I can't. That's that's cheap enough to dip the toe in a nostalgia pool. That's not too bad. Yeah, uh, just like the one you mentioned. Um, it is a September release. This one's September fifteenth. But that's dude. That's only like four weeks away, right? Yeah, I mean, dude, it might as well, but you know, it might as well be next week. I mean, because I feel like it's <laughs> the we're way, just gonna the way things are going. We're just gonna keep living the same week until they. I mean, just for who knows how long. Yeah, it's got the kind of extras that you would see on a you know in DVD was in its heyday. These are the kind of things you would see. You know, the the thing about these um, 
I just want to, before we jump off the Vestron thing, the thing about these Vestron collections and these limited editions, they're, they're very affordable. Like the Warlock one through three collection is 17 bucks. Right. They're not charging you $35 for, you know, the wizard or, or, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, little, little monsters yeah. or, or the warlock or, or, uh, waxwork. They, they've made them affordable and you're getting all this great bonus content and, you know, stuff that, you know, you just didn't know existed. And if you're a fan of these movies and seeking them out, it's what you want on them anyway. Right. Um, like, you know, so that's cool. It's had lots of iterations over the years. I think the last DVD release was something like 2000 somewhere around there it's a fun movie like i said watch it on tubi and if it if it if you dig it cool you know what and while you're at it pick up drop dead fred to go with it man oh yeah man that's a that's a that's a pairing for you right there like four years ago four or five years ago the 25th anniversary that came out and i don't think it was released stateside yeah that was that's a movie that definitely has a bigger following yeah Outside of the U.S. Yeah, Rick Mail. It was because Rick Mail was. I don't want to see. <laughs> oh, look, there is a 25th anniversary Blu-ray. Yeah, it's uh, eight dollars for domestic release. No, it's a. It's it's a. You can buy it at Amazon, but it definitely is. No, a, that's yeah. what that's what I'm talking about. The region yeah. B. Yeah. If you haven't heard of, pick up a region free. Yeah, pick region, up your region free player. Seriously, they're dude, like a hundred bucks. They cost you nothing now. I'll put a link to this one company that doesn't sells them on Amazon and you can buy them through Amazon as opposed to like uh, this way, like fulfilled by Amazon kind of thing. So you still, it have to, they have to adhere to the Amazon return policy, which is perfect because if you have any problems, you can send them right back. Basically these, these region free players are, you know, off the shelf players. These guys buy wholesale and they modify them so they can be converted from PAL to NTSC and make everything region free and then that's what they're there for they're perfect any cinema fan needs to have one i'm not saying go buy a 4k one because really it doesn't make that much of a difference and most 4k movies that you're interested in are available domestically so don't bother unless you only want to have one piece of gear in your rack that's fine too <laughs> i don't play everything on mine either because i'm afraid that it's going to take a shit <laughs> and then i'll be forced to go out and find another one to watch things like Russell Mulcahy's Razorback. <laughs> They're not hard to come by. It's just that, you know, another reason too, yeah. plus, another plus to getting it through Amazon and having Amazon fulfilled is you'll get it on, in two days, which is nice. So you, yep. you're not without it for too long. Do you remember back in the day when there was a code book and you could turn any yes. Blu-ray player yeah. in, or any DVD player into a multi-region? I don't know about Blu-ray, but I remember I, I, Dude, I coded all mine like back in yeah, the day. It, it, the coding part was super easy to come by. And I, and I think with your remote. Yeah. Where you'd run into the problems is if you end up getting, if you get a, a PAL only version and then you need to make that conversion. So there you go. Little, little monsters. And Drop Dead Fred. Little and monsters. The Wizard. And <laughs> Man, I'm going to be busy like copy and pasting links to shit for this week. We're not, and we're not done yet. No, we're not. So uh, here's the thing. Since we're, I don't really have anything else really great, you know, like talk about, I was going to talk about you can, right now, if you want, you can get 30 days of Arrow TV for free. You know, you can sign up and get their app. You can do it through, uh, you can do it through your prime account. It's one of the Amazon channels. And I was like, oh, that's got some great stuff on it. There, I plugged that. Great. Uh, <laughs> But since we're already talking about September and September releases, we're coming up on the 17th anniversary of the passing of John Ritter. And it's weird, kind of had been feeling it, and I didn't realize that we were really that close to it. 
but I, I was a big fan of Ritter. And in the last week, I've watched three John Ritter movies. And I'm going to say, you should go back and revisit. I'm going to give you these three movies. They're all on Prime. Uh, well, two of them are on Prime. One I had a DVD of. But the first one is Problem Child. <laughs> Since we're talking about things that would pair well with Little Monsters, in my mind, Problem Child is a movie that, that certainly could uh, pair with that. Stay Tuned, which is another really fun, goofy 80s, you know, we have piles of cocaine. What are we going to write? I don't know. Let's we'll sit down and watch TV. Hey, let's write a movie about watching TV. Yeah, we talked about it last week when I mentioned the TV set. Right. I mean, but yeah. so, and then last night I watched Peter Bogdanovich's criminally underrated and super fun Noises Off. Not only does it have John Ritter in it, but it also has Christopher Reeve in it, uh, who passed away. And, and, the, and, the, and the wonderful Denholm Elliott, who you probably know from Trading Places, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. Uh, and it, you know, it's, 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 it's very close to a French farce. You know, it's, it's about a traveling company of theater people and, and the, in the, in the ins and outs of what happens on stage, behind stage. Uh, it's a really clever, fun movie and Ritter's so great in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I, it's funny because he was in a ton of movies I liked when I was a kid, but I would never have thought, you know, yeah, yeah. Ritter's like one of my favorite, but you know, in hindsight, we talked about real men a while back. Ritter was great in real men. You know, he's, you know, hero at large, I think is also. <laughs> on Amazon yes. Prime. Um, so look, you know, if you're looking for something to watch, I know people are saying, oh, there's no content, there's no this, there's no that. Well, there is if you if you dig deep enough and, you know, you just, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, start digging sideways and, you know, you come across some treasures, uh, you know, these, 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 these little John Ritter sidebars movies that I've watched, you know, in the, they're not usually, his movies are not what I usually watch. I usually watch cop thrillers, horror movies, uh, genre movies, but, uh, you know, it's nice to take a little vacation every once in a while and kind of revisit these kind of goofy sort of weirdly fun oddball movies and, and kind of check out John Ritter. Cause he was really more than just Jack Tripper. Seriously. So yeah, that that's what I got. Go check out some John Ritter movies. They're on Prime. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Skin Deep. Yeah, Skin Deep's another great one. Don't man. forget the lights, Skin Deep. The lightsaber, the lightsaber the light, scene. The lightsaber duel is the reason why. If I were to pick top twenty moments where I've laughed the hardest in a movie theater, things that give you a hernia. Yes. Make yeah. a li- let's make a list. Yeah. <laughs> hernia inducing moments. And we had a packed crowd too. And the great thing about it was this is one of those scenes which can't possibly be ruined by a trailer. No, because <laughs> it's at all. it can't be put in a trailer. It's, it's, I don't want to say anything more. Yeah. And by the way, since we're since we've really been really good about doing this, we must have mentioned Blake Edwards like a dozen times in the last couple of kickstarts. Um, if it's not just sure, him, but we're talking about his movies, we've done it like three times down in this episode. Uh, maybe Blake Edwards needs to be in our director series. I don't know. We know we should totally do, do because I, I, I could, I could pick six Blake Edwards movies right now off the top of my head. That we again, Blake Edwards is another director who had a long career and did lots of different kinds of movies, right? From the Pink Panther stuff, God, right up till the. I mean, dude, I was still seeing Blake Edwards films in theater. I mean, he did Blind Date, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. We we talked about Sunset. Back we talked about you know James Garner and Bruce Willis and Sunset, another great you know '90s 
that's on, I think it's on, I think it is on Prime as well, or maybe it's on HBO through Prime. But uh, if you haven't seen Switch, mm-hmm. check out Switch. Can we free to it's, stop talking so I can say right? it? I tell you, when we did Johnny Handsome, I wanted to stick to that movie. I didn't want to bring it up at all because for a movie like that ends the way it does, that's an unusual ending for that Hollywood would allow to happen, especially a movie like a studio movie like this that they would let it end the way it does. Because of homophobia being what it is, especially around that time, I'm really surprised that they let it kind of stay the way it was. I don't want to give anything away with the movie because um, Blake Edwards' movies are all based and fully based in reality, except for this one. This is the one time he kind of steps outside of the real world and does something a little little more supernaturally, a little bit more... Um, if... <laughs> I remember at the time when I saw it, I said, if Steven Spielberg were to make an adult movie, this would be it um, as far as the the premise as opposed to the actual execution. That I love Switch. Yeah, Switch is great. Jimmy Smits and uh, Ellen Barkin. Perry King. For a little, for a little bit anyway, he's in it. <laughs> yeah, right. We get a little Perry King. But doesn't, doesn't Ritter have a cameo in it? Does he? He I think so. Does. I think he. Ha- I think he has an uncredited cameo, and that's something else too. When you see Switch, um, and, with, and that's a great double bar right there, Switch and Skin Deep, because I think those were they were one two releases, right? I think it was mm-hmm. Skin Deep and then Switch, or vice versa. I can't forget which one came first, but those were his consecutive movies, and both those movies were. I don't know, man. I guess because of our age, I was like going. It was like, oh man, I get this. This isn't me for me. This is me for people that are ten years older than me. But you know, I still connected with it. Well, it was part of the body swapping, uh, you know, they, it, it, you know, they were making every, all those movies, right? But right. most of them were geared at us, like 18 again and vice right. versa and like father, like son. Switch was the one like, you know, for people who are 10 years older than this, who were like in their late 20s, yeah. you know, who were still going to the movies at the time. But yeah, man, Switch is real fun. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And it wakes people out, you know, a little bit. Again, because of the fact that how it carries out, I don't want to give anything away because I think it's a, it's a really sweet movie and how it, and how they handle the whole thing. Sure, and Ellen Barkin is really funny, man. She's she got great comedic chops. She really does. That's what's so funny, and that's why I was biting my tongue when we were doing we were doing Johnny. Is I didn't want to say anything about how over the top she is in this, but she's it's fully intentional. She's not just kind of she's not winging it. She knows what she's doing because you can see something a very subtle performance for moments of subtlety that she has in switch where she's, she's kind of like her character in, in Johnny a little bit as far as the elevation, because she's a dude, she's a guy. Yeah. But that, that dude, the ending, Oh my gosh, it's like heartbreaking. It's super, super bittersweet ending too. And it's like, you're, I don't know. It's wild. I really like it a lot. Again, yeah. It's a, it's a movie that would surprise a lot of people when you go, Wait, this is the guy that did a fine mess where they take a. <laughs> yep, exactly. There, you know, Ellen Barkin. Is, you know, I don't want to go on an Ellen Barkin thing, but it, the switch, and then she also made the kind of underseen and kind of unfairly maligned Man Trouble <laughs> with Jack Nicholson, which again is it's the movie I saw on cable like probably thirty times. But there's some really funny shit in that movie too. I mean, if you haven't seen Switch, Skin Deep, check, you know, we 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 should do some Blake. We 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 are we are going to do Blake words. Yeah. Yes. We have to be very specific because some of the some of it's so sight gaggy. Like we what was it that we were gonna cover? I said we can't cover this. It's too it's too visual. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. 
No. It was. Mm. No, we talked about covering Weekend of Birdies, but that's not what it was. No. It was, uh, what was it? Yeah, it was something. we watched it. We were going to record. And right, uh, and we decided not to. Yeah. Right, because it was it was too hard. It, it, it just didn't translate when you're trying to explain jokes. No. Was it Golden Girls? It was Golden Girls. I think, I think we just. I think we. I think we got after that first episode. Oh uh, the first two episodes, we were like, okay, we, we can't yeah, do this. Because I don't think we ever. Okay, let's, let's reveal this right now. We had every intention of watching all those Golden Girls. Right. Look, I don't think we ever said that. I think we just put the episode out there like a, a April Fool's thing, and then we didn't, and we played it off like it was. In hindsight, yeah, you know what we should have done. When we scrapped the Golden Girls, because we could have done a, a daily one, we should have done Murder She Wrote. Murder She Wrote. And then Jessica stood as they go into a commercial break, dumbfounded. I, dude, I, I really, I've been watching. They're on IMDb TV, and they're, you know, they're all free. And once I got done with Rockford, I just sort of, I've been rotating between Murder She Wrote, Hunter, and Miami Vice. <laughs> You know, just for in between, like I put it on as background noise, dude. I don't know how somebody just, you know, I, I'm shocked that people, not more people, said, "Why don't you just fuck off, <laughs> mind you, your business." You know, it's uh, funny. I had such a massive crush on Stephanie Kramer, and it wasn't enough for me to watch Hunter. Oh, dude, Hunter's badass. I love Hunter. It's <laughs> it's Stephen J. Cannell, dude. It's good shit. I love I love Fred Dreyer. Gosh, how old is Stephanie Kramer now? She's like sixty three, sixty four. Yeah, she just turned 64 on the 6th of August. Wow. You know, the crazy thing about Hunter is she left the last season and they replaced her with Darlene Flugel. <laughs> That's right. Darlene Flugel showed up at the... Did she, did, did, didn't she do the same thing? Wasn't she on like the last season of Wise Guy too? Maybe. I feel like she became that... Per, and Crime Story. <laughs> See, come on, like when Darlene showed up, the show was almost over. I love Crime Story. I always forget that the, isn't she the isn't she the 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 mom in Pet Cemetery too that dies in the beginning that she's the actress and then she gets electrocuted maybe she could be I don't I'm I'm having a hard time hard time remembering Pet Cemetery too she was in Lock Up yep she was yeah. yep Renee Hallow yeah she was Anthony Edwards' strange wife yeah. yeah dude she was she was on Crime Story she was on Wise Guy and on Hunter there you go. She'll always be Ruth Lanier to me. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, we've done this enough times, um, but it's funny as this all sounds. Hey, guess what comes out on Friday in the United Wait States? Wait a second. Uh, let me see. Unhinged. Is it really? Finally. I was talking about, no, I'm just kidding. Yes. Unhinged is finally coming to North America. I think this is a, I think this is a Canadian and a simultaneous Canadian and United States release. Finally. Yeah. North, North America. Yeah. Straight up North say. America. Yeah. I said that, but I was just trying to make it sure it's clear that what I mean for the one lone Canadian that listens to our show. Right. <laughs> Tom actually texted me, uh, off of the, uh, through Twitter off of like, you know, just a DM for, through Twitter to tell me he's like, <laughs> he was so sweet. He, he said, uh, Oh, hang, hang on a second. I got to answer the fucking right. phone. Hold on. Right. Just tell me when you're ready. Good. So Tom yeah, hit me up through Twitter, DM. He's like, oh my God, I just saw the trailer for Unhinged. And did I yell out, Freddy, you're goddamn right. <laughs> At his work. So Tom, this Friday, Unhinged. In Canada. If you go to unhingedmovie.com, you can find out wherever it's playing. Does it put in your uh, zip code or if you're up in Canada, put in your postal code 
and find out where it's playing near you. What sucks for you and I that uh, we had talked jokingly talked about <laughs> doing a promo where we both both of us were sitting in our own respective vehicles at the drive-in to see the movie and just yelling at each other from the car to car. It was a it was a silly bit. It would have worked really well if they were open the fucking movie here. Right. We are not getting it anywhere in California. And I'm kind of pissed off about that because it went from pretty much every every previous release day that they had, you could see, you could pre-order tickets. And then now it's just like whatever. And I think that I think the drive-ins were kind of like, all right, we're done with your with your shell game. I'm like, what shell game? You mean the same one that Warner Brothers is doing with Tenant? Like you're trying to tell me you wouldn't put Tenant in your movie theater? Stop your bullshit. Just, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's weird, man. I'm not sure. If people ran out of patience, I mean, I don't understand. You know, it's kind of like everybody's going to put tenant no matter what day it comes out. Right. right? It doesn't make any difference. And it's not like they're, it's not like uh, uh, Russell's bits that they're doing on, online or in a little promos he's doing aren't going to attract people. Uh, they're I genius, dude. I, I will definitely put it in the, in, in the show notes, but um, they had done one for an official one for unhinged and, uh, Edgar Wright, the writer, director, Edgar Wright retweeted, he actually just retweeted it. He actually copied and pasted an, uh, an original tweet with one of the promos involved and just basically touting like, you know, Russell Crowe needs to do everybody's promos. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Disney plus ones. Even and I, Disney after plus. seeing it, sure. Why not? It's so good because unlike most promos, you know, this is like a rated R promo. And you don't, you don't get that very often. Yay. Dogs. Canine Dogs. appearances. Yeah, totally. George. Oh, good Lord. George. George is like, it's hot as balls out, Dad. Yeah, he, they're fucking, they're dying. Let's fucking feel bad. Spraying them with a water, spraying them with a water bottle and everything else. Just try to keep them cool. Dude, I had a $300 Edison built last month. I can have no idea what it's going to be like this month. Yeah, I don't have air conditioning. So, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, it fucking, you know, it's 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 79 inside my house right now, which isn't the worst thing in the world, but the swamp cooler just kind of makes it humid. So, like, it's like it's 79, but humid. <laughs> I don't know if it's worse or not. That is worse, I think. I mean, I mean, just like you're in a constant state of sweating and sticky and the fucking, you know, the dogs like, oh, like you're a giant salt lick. <laughs> you know, I've got a bald spot on my leg hair where my dog just keeps licking my leg and I have to keep fucking spraying him with the water bottle, but now he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the bit now. Yeah, it's part of the bit. But, um, but dude, when I saw that, uh, that retweet or that tweet from Edgar, uh, it, dude, it kind of made me happy, and I was like, <laughs> I, I want the movie to. I, I want the movie. I want people to see the movie. I think it's fun. I've seen it twice, and it, it's really a movie. You got. I mean, it's unfortunate that this whole COVID thing is going for many, many reasons, and not not that this is like a big reason, but this is definitely the kind of movie you'd want to see in a theater with friends and like yell and laugh and and you know be in shock and awe of some of the stupid silly crazy shit that's going on on right. screen right. it'll be fine to see at home but i mean it's really like i think i said it when we were on with derek and i think it's a movie that plays much better on a giant you know on a big screen right well we mentioned when we had derek on i i mentioned to him i said you know based on the trailer because that's all i've got 
it's hard not to be empathetic towards Russell's character. And like, why couldn't she just say, I'm sorry? I mean, obviously you got no movie then, but what's funny is like, remember we came, I don't know if I came across or you did with that BBC interview with him. Yep. And, and him and, and the person that was interviewing him said the same, almost the same thing that I was saying that, you know, is it weird that I kind of side with him a little bit, that I look at him as the hero of the movie? <laughs> and then Russell's response kind of chuckled. He's like, I want to, yeah, I think you need to have your head checked kind of thing. No, no, he's a despicable human being and stuff. I think it was funny that, that I wasn't the only one that saw it that way, that, you know, if she would have just not been, you know, who she was needing to be at that point, just being snotty that nothing would have happened. And then Russell was just saying, no, nah, no, nah, something would have happened anyway. Maybe not with her and the kid, but maybe somebody else because he was in a headspace where he was going to do harm. And, and I'm like, it was such a really cool little interview, but I really like the fact that somebody else saw it the same way I did because it was kind of, I think Derek kind of chuckled at me when I said that. <laughs> I was saying, I, I know I can, why couldn't she just say I'm sorry, you know, and be done with it. Well, I mean, that's really, that's the, that's the point of the whole thing. I know. Is that people just don't <laughs> say they're sorry. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, that's why. And Jesus Christ, you're right, dude. If I want to drive 223 miles to Las Vegas, yeah. I can totally see it again. Or right. I, I'd go to Henderson, apparently. Uh, dude, here's the thing. If I had another reason to go there, I think it'd be fun to do. If Here's something that I would say. I think it'd make a fun little segment for us to get on the road and go do something like that. If it was the only place that was playing because maybe it was being premiered there or whatever, and the rest of the shit wasn't going on, I think it'd be fun. People can't put a fucking mask on their face and and stay home. And here we are still. Instead of going to baseball games, we're having to watch them on television. Yep. Anyway, unhinged. Unhinged. Damn it, unhinged. 44 states, California, not one of them. <laughs> Everywhere but California. <laughs> I can't put them all out there, but just follow the uh, unhinged official um, Twitter account. I think it's unhinged movie, right, at, at, at Twitter. Yep. That um, is it. They have so many great promos, and what's really neat, too, is that even if it's a promo for the UK or Australia, that it's... It's still, um, it's still there for you to consume, which is pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll be sure to put that other stuff in the show notes. But dude, it's a, it's a fun account to follow because they're, you know, I think they just hit record and tell Russell to wing it. And sometimes it's oh yeah, yeah. And was, they're all off the cuff. Yeah, and that one that they did again, the one that one that Edgar tweeted is so, so good, so good. And he and he chuckles at the end too, which I think makes it so. So much better is like going. Yeah. Then you realize that he was just, oh my God, he was riffing that the whole time. It's just. Yeah, man. Really. You got to see the one. Uh, I, I saw, I'm i going to send it to you here in a second. I'm going to send you the, the one where he's wearing the Maximus mask. Okay. It's, it's great. I'm I'm, it's, I'm, so, I'm so looking forward to this. If you have the capability of seeing it and seeing it safely, please. As you pointed out, Freddie, it, it is, there are bigger things to worry about in, in the landscape of of our lives right now. And this isn't one of them. It's if you can see it safely, go for it, go see it. Otherwise be patient about it. And, and just nothing is more important than everybody's health and safety and right. not just yours and your loved ones, but the people that you can be possibly exposed to them. It just, just do the right thing and just, you know, isolate yourself as much as you possibly can. 
Yeah, man. But Unhinged yeah. Friday. Unhinged Friday, the 21st. Again, unhingedmovie.com. And I think it's Unhinged Movie on Twitter, right? Yeah. Follow all that stuff. This is going to be a fun movie. And again, if you can see it safely, go for it. And I, we'd love to hear your, your your feelings about it too. Yeah, man. Everybody that I've, every little review that I've like read single single line reviews for saying it's it's a blast and it's um by the way that bbc interview i mentioned with him and uh i get the cat's name they, they, they seem friendly they seem like they've they, they've been they've spoken before and like numerous times but what's funny is how much more they talked about nice guys <laughs> than they did unhinged yeah and that's where we get the whole police that the mexican detectives mexican detective sequel yeah we'll see I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it. I, I love it, but the BBC dude's idea was like maybe do a TV series. I'm like going, well, yeah. Well, here's the thing: Shane Black's not. That's not beneath him, because before he did Nice Guys, he had a um, an Amazon pilot for a western that didn't go with Ryan Quanton. Yeah, I was so bummed because I was really. I was like, I couldn't like press the button more. <laughs> like, yes, go to production. Go to production. Greenlight this. That was yeah, they don't do dude, they don't do that anymore. You what know, happened? I was, about, I was going to comment about that. That was fun when they were doing that. Remember when sense people got in the business? Oh my god, you can't you can't leave it to the public. <laughs> stupid. I'm the like, people who would watch it. <laughs> the guys, the people that have interest. Yeah, what stupid? What kind of crap is that, man? But it, and it worked though. I mean, the stuff that got approved. Like I love the tick. The tick was really great. Um, and they didn't give the you know, the Jean-Claude show enough of a shake too. Yeah. That was, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure. Like it must've been, that thing must've been too expensive. If it, and they it just decided been, um, it was too, it was too inside baseball. You know, there was too much, you know, it, it, I guess the normal people, I don't know, man, I, I enjoyed the shit out of it. I was sad when it ended. I loved it. What a, what a beautiful premise too. That Jean-Claude Van Damme is actually an international spy under the guise of being an actor. I mean, that's what I think was so funny is they always joked about on the show. They were joking about, he's like, yeah, you know, of course I'm a spy. Have you seen my acting? <laughs> that kind of stuff. I was like, right. So good. I, I thought it was wonderfully conceived and wonderfully executed. And I, I think you're right. I think it came down to just being too expensive. Regardless, they still did it. They still, that still was a pilot approved greenlit uh, uh, item from the people that watched the pilot, which I think is really neat. Yeah. That's one thing I'm going to kind of miss from the whole program. I mean, I didn't really like the whole idea of like, hey, let me post my script for everybody to critique. Oh, and then it was more than that, right? Couldn't they, couldn't they mm -hmm. change it too? Oh, yeah. That's a game. That's not a, it's not real. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, there you go. And that is a, that's a heavy that's Monday. kickstart. That's a extra large kickstart. It's hard not to talk about stuff. And ironically, the things we talked about more than anything weren't, weren't even the things that we talked about pre-record, no. but which is, I guess that's normal, right? That's okay. I mean, like sometimes you, you come in with a game plan, you get a little, and then, you know, things evolve and the game gets bigger and better. It's that, you know, laugh or cry. <laughs> it's your choice. That's kind of what it is. Anyway, so if you want to follow us on social media, follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod or on Letterboxd at Corey underscore Culp, or if you were to be so nice to support the show on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash KITG podcast. If you'd like to follow Freddie, you could follow me at Raven Shattuck on Twitter, Rock and Roller 33 on your Instagram, or on Letterboxd at Tom Cody. Tom, Tom Cody. Cody.
Nothing. There's just air there. Zip it, zip it, zip it. Now watch as I go in circles like you're grooming your man beans.